0: part definitely father thank you so much for this incredible privilege of being here this evening thank you for providing us with truth father we know that it's the truth that sets us free after all thank you for doling out the difficult messages father the ones that strike home the ones that rattle our cages father the ones that make all the difference thank you for never allowing us to settle for anything less than truth. Father, we pray for those in the congregation that are unable to be with us this evening due to illness or otherwise. We want them to know that we're with them in spirit, and we pray that you return them to the flock Uh, as soon as possible. Your will be done, of course. We pray for those in the world that is still lost without hope, Father, that they be humbled and receive saving faith, Father, before it's too late. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for the work your son did and accomplished on the cross 2,000 years ago, Father. We do just ask for your blessings on this evening's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit we do pray. Amen. Again, part 20. um, Just fantastic um, series this has been. uh, And so very timely. I think that's the word, uh, or that's the thought that I have as I'm standing here before you in humility. I don't know. I would have not have guessed that we would have been on part 20 after three and a half verses in Proverbs 17. I can tell you where my head was at when I went to Proverbs 17. It wasn't anywhere. Scout's on, honest to goodness. I came across it and he said, you need to you need to stop here and spend some time. I said, okay. No idea there's going to be 20 messages and not even close to getting through. So we'll see what happens, but... I love when he does this because it really does prove to us that um, the Bible is one supernaturally inspired book. You can go anywhere, from anywhere in it, and you'll still, regardless of the journey, no one's journey in the Bible is the same ever, but we all come out with the same truth, the same principles, the same doctrines at the end of the day. Um, It's just proof that it's perfect and that it was uh, given to us as a grace gift from God Himself. Uh, We began um, on Sunday with this, up here on the board, Philippians 2.12, Part A, uh, in the Amplified Classic. Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now, not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent... Part B up here on the board. Work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling. And that includes self-distrust. Self-distrust with serious caution. Tenderness of conscience. Watchfulness against temptation. Timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. In verse 13 up here in the board, to close out the thought, Paul wrote, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire even, love that, both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Again, Sunday's message was very powerful. um, And it was primarily focused, if you recall, on the concept of human power. This requires a lot of thought, folks. Human power. In brief, up here on the board, it typically manifests in mankind inventing solutions to problems that God has already accounted for and either solved directly, Philippians 4.19, or given us the means to cope with indirectly, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Again, human power typically manifests in mankind, inventing solutions to problems that God has already accounted for and either solved directly or given us the means to cope with it indirectly. Go to Philippians four 19. You'll see what the Spirit has to say on this. Because that's all human power is. Human power is almost by definition, as far as we're concerned, futility or folly. Um, It works for unbelievers, because that's all they've got. uh, But it's not our place to exercise human power when we've got the power of God available to us. And so we have to think the way God thinks about um, success as a believer. Let's use that phrase. Philippians 4.19 and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Everything you need, he will provide for you. If you have a problem, and let's not, can we just take all the fake problems off the table? The, one, you know, the problems that arise when we say, oh, I need that thing, but it's really just a want. That's not a real problem. Let's take those off, right? That's a whole other message for another day. That's us fooling ourselves. God says he will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's a promise, and God doesn't lie. Nor is he the God of confusion. How about 1 Corinthians 10, 13? So that's the direct statement, right? That's the direct statement. And that's one way of saying, hey, human, power, get out of the way. God's got this covered. You go sit down on the bench. You go over there and pout, right? Little flesh. 1 Corinthians 10:13. Okay. How about this? No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to what? endure it. So the point of the board, again, is human power typically manifests in mankind, inventing solutions to problems that God has already accounted for, and either solved directly, Philippians 4.19, or given us the means to cope with indirectly, 1 Corinthians 10.13, whatever, the point is, we've got to take that human power and put it off to the side. We have to put that away as a device we might use to solve problems. So that's human power. It loves to solve problems that it has no need or right to be solving. First of all, there's no need for it because God, we just read it. God says, I'll provide everything you need. So you don't need to do anything, human power. And it certainly doesn't have a right to be solving things that God says, whoa, you're stepping on my toes right now. I'm trying to get something done. Sorry it's not in your timeframes sorry you're an impatient little brat sorry you're an entitled little child but you're stepping on my toes right now I'm trying to get something done in you and you keep thwarting my will with your piddly little human power your little experiments let me see if I can God's not looking let me see if I can do this a little better than him let me see if I can get this done when he's not looking The Spirit gave us believers a bit more to think about up here on the board on this topic of human power. It is the fingerprint of sinful man. It really is. Believers are called to depend on God's grace. I screwed that up again. Look at Allah something. You can fill in whatever you want, I guess. (laughs) Allah, however, sinful man, unbelievers, and sinning believers depends on his own strength to solve problems the funny thing is and this came out on sunday for the sake of perspective right just to like give things scale like we'll concede that the lord god created the heavens and the earth um, that he's all-powerful he's omniscient he's all-knowing that jesus christ controls history that Salvation, that he does miracles, including the miracle of salvation, making us new creatures, reborn. We'll, we'll concede all that. These are truly awe inspiring acts of the Holy God of the universe. And yet, we still manage to insult him with our little human power experiments. Solomon exhausted himself with his own experiments and concluded up here on the board at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 to 14 reads, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. In other words, he's almost like saying, listen, I wouldn't recommend this, but he's almost like saying, listen, if you want the cliff notes, if you're too lazy to read my book because it's a massive, you know, 12 chapters, um, just do this. Fear God and keep his commandments. And you'll be good. Been there, done that. Had the world, you know, by the oyster. You know, is that it? Found an oyster in a shell. Had the world by the horns, Scott. Stop encouraging evil thought, sinner. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's like the cliff notes. You get it? That's like the cliff notes. I mean, it's like the, the wisest man of his time who had it all, who did it all. said, at the end of it, oh, listen, this cuts to the chase. Fear God, keep his commandments. It'll save you a lot of trouble. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So keeping his commandments includes, you know, Minding your own business and letting God mind his. That's how he keeps us in check, right? He says, "Here's my commandments. You stay on this road. Don't you worry about what I'm doing. You can't even fathom it. You just keep my commandments. You fear me. You trust me. Your have faith in me. Um, mind your own business, okay? Stop trying to solve my problems. I don't... On that topic... The, the idea of meddling um, that we shouldn't be meddlers or tricksters or lawyers who try to justify meddling uh, in fact to lawyer you know when you open up your Bible and you're looking you're looking for that loophole you, you know what I'm getting at you're not looking there's two ways to read the Bible here's what I've learned you ready? chapter 12 of Pastor Ed's book I'm kidding Nobody thought, did anybody get that? No. You can read the Bible for truth. I'm going to say there's an awful lot here, right? Or you can read the Bible to try to slip between the truth. Like, you're, and instead of looking at the, um, I might be dating myself, instead of looking at, you know, when you, remember the old Kodak days with the yellow folder? You open it up and you go, wow, that's a great picture. You'd be the one looking for the negative, for the photo negative right? You're the person who's lawyering, who's looking for the gaps between the truth so that you can justify being or doing or thinking a certain way. That's the wrong way to approach Holy Scripture. You go to Holy Scripture for the purity of it, for the love of it, to say, I want the truth because it's the truth that sets me free. Now, if you spend all your time trying to find loopholes, Between what's stated as truth in the Bible, you're miserable. You're miserable. And a lot of people do that. And it's really just a a show of a lack of trust in God's divine providence for you. Everything you need to know about your life is in the Bible. Honestly, it's clearly stated. What he wants for you, what he's got in store for you, what's in front of you even as a believer. Magnificent truths. In the Bible, why are you spending any time trying to slip between the cracks? We call that, up here on the board, a little thing called faith. A little thing called faith. And we do a lot of things that reveal a lack of faith. Um, Read this week's blog, which is titled, What is this freedom you speak of? Read it, please. Make sure you do. It's extra long, but just read it. And you'll be contemplating what some folks are doing in response to COVID-19 that reveals a real lack of faith. That's why I wrote it. There's a whole lot of faith issues going around right now. Um, People are having their faith tested. Um, And it's revealing that in some ways, it's not a blanket statement, but there are a lot of people who lack faith in God's providence and God's ability to protect them. There's always a boogeyman, right? Some conspiracy, some monster chasing after them, and it's just a waste of time. Here's a perfect example that DJ brought up in our leadership meeting this past Sunday up here in the board. Robin Hood's the guy who supposedly, or he's supposedly a hero right, in folklore, um, because he robs from the rich and gives to the poor. And um, the Bible calls that stealing. (laughs) I mean, one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not steal, right? Last time I checked. So I'm just saying, Robin. The conclusion, Robin Hood is a thief. And because he's a thief, he's a lawbreaker. And because he's a lawbreaker, he's a sinner in God's eyes. Doesn't matter how noble you think you're being. You break the law, you're a sinner in God's eyes. So this begs the question up here on the board. Does the end justify the means? Never. 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 When we adopt an unholy viewpoint such as the one on the board we have entered into the realm of human power that's the point go to Romans 12:9 Romans 12 verse 9 <clears throat> when we enter or adopt the unholy viewpoint that the ends justifies the means you know we've entered into the realm of human power because we've sidestepped what God had planned for us right he says i'll take care of it I don't need your solutions. I will take care of it. You either believe me or you don't. You focus on this. You focus on what's in the Bible. What does the Bible say? Look, Romans 12, 9. Let love be genuine. Hold that thought, right? The exercise of human power is not love. But yet the Bible says let love be genuine. But the exercise of human power is not love. In fact, it's evil. That's why the very next sentence says what? Abhor what is evil. That's the contrast. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient. Ooh, is that P word, right? Nobody likes the P word. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Either you believe God's got everything under control, or you don't. And if you lack faith, you begin inventing solutions. That's that's what the Spirit's been developing here. If you lack faith, you begin inventing solutions. That's the point. I don't believe that God's got everything under control. I'm going to take it on myself. Instead of being patient and waiting this thing out and persevering and bringing glory to God and, and, and passing... My testing so that I'm stronger the next time a test comes around. That sound familiar, folks? All of that is part of the, the the plan that God has for you. How are you gonna How are you gonna strength train if every time you know you go and vent? I mean, if you go, this is gonna sound stupid, but if you go to the gym and you know the objective is to bench press 300 pounds, right? And you just lay down on the bench and you pay. Two giant dudes, five bucks each to lift it up while you got your hands on it. uh, That's a human solution, right? You said, oh, I'll get it. It'll lift off my chest, but I'm going to pay these bozos to do it. What about the training? Did you gain anything? No. You didn't gain a darn thing. You just came up with a solution to solve some problem that was before you. And you missed the whole point of training. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. I will repay. No human solutions there either. I will repay, says the Lord. Again, the point on the board does the end justify the means? No, that's the point. Up here on the board, Isaiah 558 8-9 in the Living Bible Translation. It reads, This plan of mine is not what you would work out. <laughs> Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than yours. And then Isaiah 56, 1, up here on the board. Be just and fair to all, the Lord God says, Do what's right and good, for I am coming soon to rescue you. Do what's right and good. Do what's right and good. As we read earlier in Romans 12 9, let love be genuine. The exercise of human power is not love, it's evil. Abhor evil, it says. Do what's right. Let love be genuine. Do not exercise human power or try to finagle some human solution because you're uncomfortable. You're missing the point. It's really uncomfortable to, uh, I mean, I wouldn't know anymore, but to bench press 300 pounds. Right? A lot of weight can come crashing down on you. But how do you get stronger? You push it up, you push it up yourself. You, You do what God wants you to do. You go through that suffering, the pain, of doing it. Let love be genuine of war. What is evil? No human solutions. This is precisely why we don't contribute to the delinquency of others. So let's think about this. How many times has the Spirit taught us about enabling others in their dysfunction? Just as a side thought. How many times? A lot of times. Right? A lot of good work in, from this pulpit on parenting, on friendship, um, you know, marriages even, just the whole thought of enabling someone in dysfunction is not love. That's not the love of others, that's the love of self. Because it's better for you to do that thing. In any case, here's our previous principle up here on the board. Human power, it typically manifests in mankind, Inventing solutions to problems that God has already accounted for and either solved directly or given us the means to cope with indirectly. Matter of faith, right? To let God follow through in the absence of human power is an issue of faith. So the lesson from Sunday's message was that a lack of faith is actually sin. Up here in the board, Romans 14.23, part B says very clearly, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever is, does not proceed from faith is sin. Our study of Proverbs 17 has caused quite a bit of critical thinking in us. I'm thinking back, you know, 20, 20 parts at this juncture. Um, one, of the, one of the highlights, if you would, areas of focus right out of the gate, if you remember, was this evil vector, the one that um, begins with, you know, self-love and self-righteousness, as described up here on the board, the symptoms of someone who functions in Satan's economy and how that is so easy to see in America. And we're all Americans and we all are plagued from it with this, this thing, right? We grew up, we were entitled with it, we think we deserve it sometimes, we lose track, we think we've, what... Wealth breeds human power. Human power breeds bullying. Bullying is merely a symptom like the rest. It's born of a lack of faith. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. The Bible says that man, in general, I'm not saying there aren't cases where people are not like this. They don't have these symptoms. You know what the Spirit's saying. We all have a little bit of it, some worse than others. But the truth is, the Bible says that man lacks faith. We see the manifestation of this all around us, even in the churches. Again, read this week's blog titled, What is this Freedom You Speak Of? I talk an awful lot about churches. Um, On Sunday, the Spirit took issue with one of the ugliest things I can possibly think of in the world of Christendom. It has to be one of the ugliest things I can possibly think of and that's the elevation of pastors. It's it's awful. It's so damaging. This this elevation of 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 men and sometimes women, oh goodness, right? Women shouldn't even be behind pulpits. So says holy scripture. That's not their office. That's not me trying to elevate above women. It's just what God said. It's not their office. Big deal. Get over yourself. While I have a certain authority over you, uh, based on the boundary conditions set in Holy Scripture, I am not, nor should I ever be, or any pastor, be idolized. The trap is that it often... (laughs) It often doesn't even begin with the pastor seeking such things. It begins with the sheep, often, not always. There are some jerks that you know, say, I want to be a pastor so I can lord over people. The Bible has a lot to say about that, too. Um, but I'm talking about even well-intentioned fellas, right, that find themselves behind a, uh, a pulpit like this one. Um, this, this idolatry thing, it starts with the sheep. Um, and, you know, to be fair, it can happen to to any any good pastor, honestly, can lose sight of things, uh, being, be a sort of enticed into it, tempted into it. So, for example, just so it's not just about me, um, suppose you're a humble guy, sorry ladies, but pretend you're a guy for a moment. You're a humble guy who just wants to preach the word of God. And, you know, one day you find yourself behind a pulpit. And maybe you've got some skills, you know, in the public speaking arena. So there's, you know, there's like a wow factor whenever you preach. You know, people are like, whoa. What? This is refreshing. This guy can actually do multi words. And, you know, he does stuff with his hands. Right? What happens when the sheep... So you're some well-intentioned guy. What happens when the sheep... Begin making you an idol. Maybe they're always pouring themselves all over you after you know you finish a message, right? I remember that used to happen <laughs> ten years ago. People, oh, it was such a great, pe-. thanks, Pastor, it was such a great message. Not anymore. <laughs> people <are> like. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. Maybe they're pouring themselves all over you after a message, right? Or maybe, you know, maybe you greet them by the doorway on the way out, and all you ever hear is how incredible you are. And decreasingly so, how you hardly hear how awesome Jesus is. The temptation is to believe the hype, as they say. And next thing you know, you're catering to the sheep instead of Christ. All of a sudden, you kind of like that thing. You like that cadence, right? You like that man, they, they pat me on the back, it's all good. I get like, you know, Christmas presents and everybody's loving me and it's, it's awesome. You know, all of a sudden it's about catering to them instead of Christ. And then the snowball effect begins, you know, it begins building momentum. And by the way, that sounds like someone we've looked at in the past, not even his own fault, as we can see, or as we can tell anyways from Holy Scripture. Apollos, up here on the board. Acts 18.24 Acts 18.24 Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. Hey, sounds like a good package, right? Like he's good, he's well-spoken, he's intelligent. um, You know, all right, good, good. Paul put a stop to idolizing this man very quickly, as any pastor worth their salt would. And as we read uh, the next passage, Notice that Paul includes himself in the list of potential idols the Corinthians had been creating. Go to 1 Corinthians 1.10. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. So, you know, Apollos is just an example. He could, he could be anybody today, right? He could be anybody in today's day and age. There are a lot of eloquent, uh, well spoken, intelligent, well trained uh, men standing behind pulpits. 1 Corinthians 1:10 I appeal to you brothers by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you see this is what happens when people start idolizing well I'm you know I, I'm with this guy you know I'm with that guy you know I go to this church and I go to that church but you uh, but that you be united in the same mind in the same judgment for it has been reported to me that by Chloe's uh, people that there is quarreling among you my brothers what i mean is that each of each one of you says i follow paul or i follow there's apollos right i follow apollos i follow cephas that's peter or i follow christ and he says frankly is christ divided like aren't we the body of christ and you're gonna what what now we're divided because you have idolatry problems was paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of paul I thank God that I baptized none of of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. That's how perverted you would be. You'd say, Paul baptized me. That's what really matters. I got baptized by Paul. So think about this. All of that is, you know, that's like the, the doctrinal side of it. That's the example we have in the Bible. And then we have the backdrop for our own lives, which is that America is the land of idolatry, <sighs> right? America is the, I've been all over the world, I kid you not. They may not like us, but they like our idols. I kid you not. Go to India, go to, uh, all over the place, right? Maybe not so much Europe, because they get that kind of thing going on, but you know. But you go anywhere, you know, people got like, you know, t-shirts of, you know, famous people or, you know, whatever. It's a big deal to have name brand clothes. You know, all that kind of stuff. Because America is the land of idolatry. And with the advent of the internet and YouTube and live streaming, now the sheep have the ability to shop around for idols in Christendom or Christianity. The internet allows you a plethora of pastors of Apollos and paul's and whoever that's what the internet does it makes it shrinks the whole world into the size of your computer screen and now you can listen to somebody who's on the other side of the planet right and because he's i don't know eloquent well-trained maybe he's even i don't know better looking than your pastor down your street who's doing his job by the way is under the lord but this guy Huh? This guy? Now this is the guy I want to follow. This is Apollos for me. Now this is Paul for me. To hell with the local assembly. Up here on the board, people love idols. Again, Paul had to refute the idolatry that was spinning up in the churches. Sound familiar? People not only love their idols, but they Pay them handsomely. Michael Jordan? Anyone? Oprah? (laughs) Or you choose your favorite millionaire pastor. You choose them. I mean, there's certainly a number of them at this point. Go to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Just think about how that erodes the body of Christ. Just think about it. It doesn't even have to be full-blown idolatry. It could be a little idolatry, you know what I'm saying? But think about how that erodes the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, 1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. Here we go again. Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he, uh, neither, uh, he who plants nor he who waters is anything. That's the whole point. I don't care how well-spoken or learned or handsome, or whatever the thing you think is so attractive about that YouTube millionaire guy, he's nothing. He's just a man. Do you understand? He's just a guy. And he sins just like the rest of us. (laughs) He's not to be idolized. He's not meant to be idolized, right? That's the whole. See, this is why I have a smaller congregation, because I can't even speak. He's out. I want that guy with the straight, pearly white teeth and the curly hair. You know, and the fake tan and the, uh, you know, the, char- the charisma. I want that guy. I can just stream him. I don't even have to, I don't even have to get. All I do is just get out of bed in no the morning, get in my little comfy chair and roll it over to my computer whoosh, and turn it on. He's right there. How awesome is that? And he never stutters like that bald moron. <laughs> Jim, why are you laughing? That's not, that's not nice, man. Right? God causes the growth. Don't ever be fooled into thinking that somehow churches are exempt from being affected by this kind of sin. We have a perfect illustration of the intrusiveness of sin with something so simple like the ACs. We've already had two of them, right? Three? Three stolen. What? Oh, and they stole our lights one time, too off our sign. They plucked them right off our front lawn. What's wrong with people? Isn't there anything holy? Nope, doesn't matter. Three ACs, lights. And you know, I guess some of us thought because we we're a church we were, you know, exempt. Uh, the evil can't affect us. The, Satan and the kingdom of darkness have no scruples. And even more injurious than stealing air conditioners are the spiritual attacks on the churches. Um, Many of these attacks originate with sin from within even, from within the churches. All it takes is an idolatrous sheep or a flock of them to single out a weak pastor, and boom, you got yourself an idol. And as grotesque as that sounds, where an idol is standing behind a pulpit... It happens a lot. And it reminds me of the tribulation when the Antichrist and the false prophet set themselves up as idols. Think about how grotesque that is. And we have pastors doing it right now. It's disgusting. Last Thursday we we looked at the fall of Satan in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. And if we follow the career of Satan, we see the same general pattern that pastors and even others fall into. Um, It begins with a corrupt heart. Up here on the board, Ezekiel 28, verse 5, by your great wisdom and your trade, uh, you have increased your wealth and your heart has become proud in your wealth, and so on and so forth. Isaiah 14, 14, up here on the board, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. That's the pattern in a nutshell. Pride before the fall. Wealth and power hunger, the symptoms, up here on the board. The danger of wealth, wealth is the breeding ground for arrogance that naturally evolves into a power hunger. A corrupt heart precedes both forms of evil. The heart sets the vector. Luck and determination achieve the goal. Now, here's the thing about wealth and pulpits, though. there's nowhere in Holy Scripture that either depicts it in a holy sense. If someone happened to be wealthy, and they happened to be a shepherd as well, they didn't, they didn't make their money off of the sheep. They didn't make their money off of peddling the Word of God. And it's certainly not encouraged. In fact, what we do have is Holy Scripture that stands opposed to that thing. Go to 2 Corinthians 2.17. 2 Corinthians 2, verse seventeen. What we do have is Holy Scripture that stands opposed to that, opposed to selling the Word of God, peddling it for profit. Do we take donations here? Yeah. But that's it. That's between you and the Lord. I'm certainly not going to sell you these messages. That's beyond grotesque. 2 Corinthians 2.17 For we are not like so many peddlers, and I gave you the Greek Right? Kapala u'o. Uh, it's retailers to hawk, to trade in, to deal in for purposes of gain, from Strong's perspective. That's what we are not like, those people who trade uh, to deal in the purpose of great, to, to retail. I hate saying that word, to retail in the Word of God. But as mere, oh, excuse me, as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, he's being facetious, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendations to you or from you? You yourselves are a letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. In other words, you know what? A real pastor says, you're my treasure. That's how I feel. You're my treasure. If I look out there and I see you guys growing and, you know, whatever, that's, that's, my, that's my reward. I mean, if you want to give me a thousand bucks, I'm kidding. Why is, well, you guys are stiffs tonight. Only Jim. And Jim laughs at me, not with me. Right? I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying, right? I don't want your money. Like You know what I'm saying? That's not consistent. That's the shame of it all. Verse 3. And you show that you are our letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but the, with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Now, when an idol gets puffed up, it's natural for them to begin breaching the God-given boundaries of their authority. That's what happens. All of a sudden, the humble pastor becomes the rich pastor who becomes the powerful pastor who now starts wielding his power in ways he shouldn't. That's the natural progression. That's the downfall. See, while the flesh is being elevated, he's actually being uh, ruined, if you would. It's one of the things I hate the most about Hollywood folks. They make millions pretending to be someone else, and then presume to be an authority on social issues. And many of these folks are the same ones who can't even keep the tiny social fabric within their own homes together. You're going you're to give me advice, mister. You're, you're going to give me advice. You can't even keep your home together. And you're going to give me advice? on what I should be thinking, how I should be thinking, how I'm in in error here, and you can't even keep your own home together? Go pretend to be somebody else again. Up here on the board, Luke 6.39. Jesus also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? (laughs) When an idol gets big-headed, they begin to do something the bible prohibits go to 1st peter 4:15 1st peter 4 verse 15 they begin to do something the bible prohibits 1st peter 4:15 <clears throat> we are prohibited from doing this thing 1st peter 4:15 But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Up here on the board, meddler. Jim, I want you to come up here and read that for the group. (laughs) Just kidding. Means one who meddles in things alien to his calling or in matters belonging to others. Factious. That's what a meddler is. They're not doing anything good. They're actually causing divisions. They're stepping outside of their appropriateness, and they're starting to become a problem even in the church. For example, if this meddler is a pastor who has overstepped his position by becoming an idol, being rich and powerful, all of a sudden they begin dabbling in politics, social commentary, or the law even. And they suppose themselves an authority on such things. Now, there is nowhere in Holy Scripture that says, because I have authority in a church as a pastor, that I have authority in the law. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm getting at? Or that that I should be telling my government officials what they need to be doing. Because I'm a holy pastor, you see. Up here on the board. Wealth breeds arrogance. Have you ever noticed the connection between wealth and the assumption of power? Why is it that once a person or group of people obtains wealth, they self-assign themselves as authoritative? How does that happen? All of a sudden, they become authoritative on everything. Everybody should listen to me for everything, right? I mean, no one ever questions me anymore. I guess they'll just listen to whatever I say. So I'm just going to start saying whatever I want and expect obedience to me and my newfound power. So, what say you of the situation with the rich, powerful pastor? And I'm talking about the one who gets there the wrong way, et cetera, et cetera. What say you? Some of you might say, Oh, but, you know, this pastor has affected so many lives over the years with his massive ministry. That's what some will say. Oh, but look at all the lives this man has changed. Look at all the lives that he's affecting. My response is very simple. You ready? It requires everything I've taught so far up until this point in this message. You ready? Are you saying that God... Couldn't do much more righteously? Are you saying that God couldn't do much more yet righteously without all the money and power and idolatry? Is that what you're saying? That the human solution is what matters. That's what you're saying? Up here on the board. Does the end justify the means? Hell no! How about that? Loud enough for you? You have no idea how pissed off I am at this crap they're calling Christianity now. It's a business. It's almost a trillion dollars. Remember religion? Three quarters of a trillion dollars on religion. It's a massive business. It's disgusting. It's despicable. And some of the most well-known pastors are reaping millions from it. Do you get it yet? Oh, but they have huge ministries and they've affected so many people. Are you saying that God couldn't do it righteously? That God somehow needed evil? He needed that? He needed them to become that idol? That's what you're saying? That's why you lap it up? You tell me what the Bible says. Either God's omnipotent, all-powerful, or He's not. Either you have faith or you don't. When you put your faith in a man-made idol, like an errant pastor, or a church, or a denomination, or whatever, you're basically saying... God, I don't trust you. I don't think you would have affected all those people without this evil ministry. Does the end justify the means? May it never be. Here's what a perfect pastor looks like. You ready? Up here on the board. Jesus' example. Jesus is the wealthiest person to ever walk the face of the earth. Not once did he try to seize political or social power. He preferred to focus on spreading the gospel. He wasn't, listen, and when I say the wealthiest, I'm not talking about he didn't make money off of people. He was a carpenter, right? He was a carpenter, Paul was a tent maker, etc. He wasn't intent on making money off of people. He didn't take advantage of his situation. He had wealth where it mattered. Right? Enough said on pastors? I hope so. Almost lost my voice screaming. As we closed with on Sunday, pulpits aren't the only place where idolatry and the ensuing wealth and power. You know, we're, that's not the only place where those things can corrupt a good thing up here in the board. I asked you to think about this uh, on Sunday. What symptoms of corruption? due to wealth and power, have you seen in the following? Politicians, uh, religious leaders, pastors, priests, etc. Business leaders, family dynasties, kings, queens, etc. Hollywood actors, and you. And you. So let's go back to where we started this evening, up here on the board. Human power. It typically manifests in mankind, inventing solutions to problems that God has already accounted for and either solved directly or given us the means to cope with indirectly. As the Spirit's taught us, the exertion of human power is indicative of a lack of faith. The exertion of human power is indicative of a lack of, human, or a lack of faith. It seems the Spirit's favorite topic for we Americans is our entitlement issues with wealth. Maybe that's why. We're only what, two and a half verses away from that first one, which is where he launched into the whole wealth issue, if you remember, at the start of this series. We haven't gotten very far. We're still kind of tethered to this thing, probably because, as many of you have told me over the last few weeks, we're just awful. We're, like, totally entitled. We, we, we really believe, somewhere along the line, we were convinced that... Um, the, these luxuries that we've always had, that they're ours to keep. Like they're, they're like ours. Um, and when, you know, someone or something threatens to take any of these things away from us, God forbid. God forbid, right? What are we afraid of? honestly what are you what are we afraid what are you afraid of so so god ordains something in your life your precious little life right your life of filling being filled with wants nobody in here has got as far as i know except maybe here and there because of you know circumstances or logistics needs that aren't going fulfilled everybody's got all these wants what are you afraid of you're going to not have your wants anymore Why do we lack such faith? Jesus gives us uh, comfort that helps alleviate our tendency towards human power solutions, right? Because what do we do when someone threatens? We're like cornered rats. When someone threatens something that we think is ours to keep, we fight like cornered rats. All of a sudden, the fangs come out. Wait a minute, wasn't that just like a sweet old lady two seconds ago? Now she's like right? What happened? Weren't you like a like a swell old chap? Now you just pistol whipped me? What's going on? Matthew six, twenty seven. Go there. Jesus gives us comfort. What's going on with people? Honestly. Lack of faith. That's what's going on. Lack of faith. And none of us have perfect faith, so don't be pointing fingers. Matthew 6, 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. How's that for perspective? I think Jesus had it going on. Amen? Right? I mean, he knew what what the deal was. He saw right through it. Right through it. Like... Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do me a favor. I'm out next week. Everybody's like, yay. Right? We get the nice, the nice guy behind the pulpit. He's so nice. He's got the radio voice. You know, I know I know the chatter. And he stands by the door. Oh, good to see you. Good to see you. His leg goes up. Good to see you. Got security cameras installed. Look look at them. Ridiculous, Scott. You're out of control. Just kidding. Do me a favor. I'm seriously out next week. um, Up here in the board. Read this blog. And give it some serious thought, please. For your own good. Please. The last couple of messages in this blog um, is a lot to chew on. And some of you have a lot to chew on, frankly. And that's okay. I'm not judging anybody in here. But if you want to be free, truly free, um, you need to understand what the Spirit's been teaching from this pulpit for the past week and in this blog. Okay? Fair enough? All right, let's bar Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of gathering together this evening. Thank you for giving us the truth... Father, it's so freeing. We just ask for your blessings as we take the things we've learned back to the privacy of our own souls, back to our homes, Father, and then your will be done out to a world that needs it so desperately. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Thank you.